Good evening and welcome to this uh, live, is live, we are live, Wednesday webcast um, from the ANF podcast with me, Scott Casson Rennie himself. Hello, Al Sorry, Al-Kod. I was totally distracted there. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. He's, he's busy doing this and things. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what he's doing. Sorry. Anyway, he's making sure the technology works, I think. And uh, this evening we're uh, joined by Becca. Good evening, Hello. Becca. Hello. I actually forgot this was a visual thing. So when you were doing this, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's not yeah, going to feature on the podcast, but people could potentially see what you're doing. So no yeah. picking noses or anything awkward like that. No, no. And um, I'm really hoping that my children don't break in at any moment because my children are very good at forgetting. So, so occasionally they do burst into a, a webcast, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I think it's fine. As long I'm as they're wearing taken. clothes, we don't care. Well, there is that story. Yeah, there um, is. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, well, I've been sort of having conversations with you, Becca, for a couple of months about you coming on the podcast and the things you're up to and stuff you're doing. And you got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, how, you know, we've, you've, We've had all these conversations. Any chance of me coming on and uh, talking about a project that you're involved with, you've or origin originated? But before we get to that, could we? Could you give us a summary of who you are, uh, what you do, how you ended up on our podcast? Yeah, sure. So I'm a care experience social worker, writer, and author, and I suppose I would call myself self um, a campaigner though I'm not I think anyone and everyone can be um, a campaigner for what they believe in and I'm on the podcast today mainly to talk about free loaves on Fridays which is a really exciting anthology that's just been launched and the heart of this whole anthology is to invite care experienced people on board to share their story um, who have might never have had the opportunity Um, would now be a good time to go into the title because everyone's always like, is it a recipe book? Like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, um, I, that was going to be my first question to you actually was the name, to explain the name. So, yes, please. Yeah, so um, when, uh, yeah, as a teenager, I lived in what's called an unregulated placement. Um, so it was essentially a hostel um, with, you know, people their age, 16 to 25. I, I've spoken a lot about what life was like there in kind of different forums but you know it was very intimidating environment I was a teenage girl trying to do my A-levels um living you know opposite to uh people in their mid-20s who had just got out of prison you know a real lot of um kind of gang activity there and, and drugs and it just felt like a very vulnerable environment and when I was there one of the biggest things that I I really struggled with was food poverty but there was um kind of small uh, kind of you know thing to look forward to every Friday was that we'd get a free loaf from the local bread factory so you know the local bread factory just I think must have donated the leftovers and it was always the same you know thick sliced white kind of half stale um bottom of the barrel kind of loaf and I remember at the time being really grateful for that because when you're living on you know the bread line um things are really tough and and a loaf of bread can last you you know many meals many you know can stretch out to almost a week anyway um and then kind of looking back at it as an adult I thought wow I remember how grateful I used to be for that 
loaf of bread at the time because I think I just felt so unworthy of anything and just grateful for whatever scraps people would give. And now looking back, you know, I think about the lack of choice there. No one ever actually stopped and asked what, you know, what bread would you like? Do, would you like some choice? So the whole the idea of this book is really for care experienced people to have an element of choice and to reclaim the narrative. Um, and I'm also really conscious that um, care experienced people, you know, in media, in press, in politics are so few and far between. And I really hope that this can be a way of uplifting um, and amplifying voices that might not usually be heard. Wow. <laughs> That's, um, I mean, there's a whole raft of things to unpick there because I think that um, I think it would probably come as a surprise. I mean, when we're in this, we're in the sector, and we we or I, I work in the sector. You know, social work. You're a social worker. Scott's kind of well connected. Um, it comes as a real surprise to see the dire circumstances that young people, young adults, leave the you know the inverted commas care system. Um, it must, I mean, you must feel quite remarkable to see where you were there and where you are now, you know, and you, you're a qualified social worker, which is no mean feat in itself. Um, so it it does seem like quite an amazing journey that you've been on. You must be quite, you must sort of sometimes sort of have to give your head a shake to think of all of the, how you got to where you are now. I mean, the first thing I'd say is, you know, it's really kind of you to say that and, and thank you, but I suppose... You know, what people don't see is, you know, the inner struggle and I'll be, you know, the first to admit that I'm still in therapy all these years later. And I think some of those traumatic experiences stay with you for life, really. So I, mm. uh, I think I would just say there's a lot that goes on beneath the surface and there's been, a, you know, a heck of a lot of stops and starts and, and bumps in the road, really. So, yeah, because we spoke recently to John Rideau, who's um not a comparable story, but you know he's he's a person who's expert, had extensive care experience and then gone on to sort of work professionally supporting people. You know, so there's, there's sort of, there were some echoes, um, but he would probably say exactly the same, wouldn't he, Scott? I mean, it was a fascinating interview. We really yeah. enjoyed talking to him. Um, so John's great. He is great. Yeah, we re, re, and he was really honest, and I think we had a, fast, a, fa a fantastic conversation with him. Um, but the one thing that um, did, if I remember, and it may, um, I may be using my own words when I say this, was his experience. Um, I, I think he's a. Oh, I can't remember what he is. So we won't. We won't I won't say what he is. Counselor. That's the words, right? So he's therapeutic yeah. counselor. And and he, one of the things that he was saying about was um, that you know just because he does that job, it doesn't necessarily mean that he is able to kind of. He can relate in some ways, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's a solution. Is that is that? Do you find that with social work? I I do. I think on the one hand, there's so much richness that comes with lived experience, and and of course that can contribute to your work, and you can relate to a degree. But actually, uh, the you know the older I get, the more I realise that you know can any of us ever truly relate it even one percent to what someone's going through. I remember. I lived with a, uh, my first foster placement. Um, what one of the she wasn't my foster carer, but she was the foster carer's sister. And you know, I used to kind of just be a really defiant teenager and kind of scream, "You don't understand," you know. And and she used to say to me, "Oh, will you stop saying that? I do understand. I do understand." And 
uh, actually, I think that defiant teenager had had a point there because we can only ever understand to an extent. And I think mm. going back to free loaves, that's part of the reason why I'm really keen to get this off the ground is that no one lived experience can define anyone's. And, and sometimes I I feel like, you know, a lot of the time if, if people come to me with requests about oh can you speak to your lived experience I really and I have started saying well have you tried asking someone who's never had a platform yet and and that's why I hope mm. this book can raise up the many diverse voices that we need to even get a small picture of what's really going on yeah I think one of the things that we felt really strongly and from from a podcast point of view is that the, the potency of stories and um we've we sort of every other podcast, we invite people to come on and tell, share their stories, regardless of what their perspective is and what their views are and, and what their story is, you know, but just a platform. And um, what always sort of amazes us, I think, is that the, the diversity and the richness of stories, but also the potency that mm. they, the, I think we get more feedback from them than anything else. And are you, um, what your, uh, I, I am always conscious that the stories are really valuable. So, I, I, you know, when you're putting pulling together this group of stories, what are your do you have worries and concerns about and keeping keeping people safe? Not not us from reading them, but the people who are sharing them. I do, and I was wondering, can I can I share my screen at this point? You Is that something that you can do on a webcast? I don't. It's beyond my technical kind of. You're you're moving us into areas that we have no knowledge about. I've I've given you the facility to share the screen. Who knows what may happen? The internet may just dis be destroyed. Let's go for it. <laughs> just get ready okay. to click to click the the go. If everything suddenly stops, it's my fault. Well, um, I, I think that with a, with a project like this, when you're dealing with um uh you know people who have who have lived through the most unimaginable trauma of course there's always going to be um concerns and, and risks and you're wanting to do things right and keep people safe and that's why um i've worked i've been consulting with care experienced people and also article 39 and together trust two of the charities who are get it who are beneficiaries of of the book to put together some submission guidance that really it very explicitly and clearly states you know on the one hand it's brilliant and empowering sharing your story of course it is but we want to be you know really real about some of the risks so without absolutely sending everyone to sleep i'm not going to read out every single thing but I Good. just thought it, it might be, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's you. a nine-page document. But I thought it might be helpful just to touch very briefly on, you know, a couple of the the main risks and kind of how to mitigate them, maybe. Yeah. Um, for when people come listen to the podcast, is do we is there a link to that information could, that we could put in the show data? And if you could give me that link, and then people can then look at it themselves if they're just listening on audio as well. Definitely, yes, I'll, I'll send that link across. And, Excellent, um, thank you. So, I mean, that, so just... that, that's quite, quite a comprehensive list of things. And I guess, uh, you know, contributing to, I mean, I've contributed to a few kind of publications over the years, um, don't normally get this much thing. Is this, is this specifically because of the kind of personal stories that, that are being shared? It is, yeah. It, I think it's because... Um, I don't know how to say this any other way, um, but you know, I really don't. We don't want to hurt an already hurting community, and, and being mm. someone who's part of that 
community and conscious of that. So I think, you know, I, I had many sleepless nights thinking about all the worst case scenarios um, and, and lots of, you know, challenging conversations to, to get this, you know, as right as it can be, but absolutely open to, to you know, more critique. But I mean, the main things that I uh, have kind of said in terms of safeguarding is, uh, that everyone really has to take the time to make sure if this is right for them. There, there is no pressure. It will be right for some and it won't be right for others. But yeah. um, one of the main risks is that, um, you know, people might be really excited to contribute now, but could they feel differently in two, five or 20 years? So these are just some of the reflective questions that I'm reading out. Um, that you know there could be a potential even if people remain anonymous which they have to if they're children mm. um if they're 16 and under that they could be recognized by you know family friends professionals so uh trying to take steps to make sure any kind of identifying features are removed but that can never be completely mitigated mm. um you know there should be no stigma um when it comes to care experience but but that persists so could writing um put you know, you're in a difficult position with relationships and so on. Um, you know, there's a chance that some some work may be edited very slightly, um, you know, kind of with, with the mainstream audience in mind. Um, but then there's also, you know, the whole process of writing. I know as a writer myself that um, writing, it's, it's almost like, you know, at the click of a finger, you you are there it's a really embodied experience it can it can bring up a lot of traumatic thing you know things so there's five tips that we're giving people to kind of keep themselves safe when they're writing so the first one is to think in advance about what the safest environment might be whether that's location time of day having someone they trust nearby but of course if people are in you know or homeless or insecure housing that that's not going to be possible Two is to keep a reminder of the present with them at all times, just something that grounds them. Three is to try and do a grounding activity afterwards that, you know, connects them to your body, whether it's exercise or cooking. Um, the next one, I can't count a lie, four to take regular breaks and five to schedule something in to look forward to afterwards. But of course, they may not apply to everyone. Yeah. So I was just going to say, that, I mean, there's, um, and we won't mention, well, I will mention names. You may be aware, you may not. There was um, uh, a little bit of controversy recently, um, especially on social media, actually. There was a book published and um, the, uh, one of the contri contributors claimed that the author didn't get her permission to use her story. So this really mm -hmm. helps with that. And, and, you know, I think if, if as a podcast, we're saying, oh, yeah, go ahead and do this. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, you're, <laughs> you're really covering all the bits in here. Um, but I guess the other side of it, I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm just, I'm just being the devil's advocate. You know, what about? Um, and it's happened to us um, where someone claims yeah. that a story isn't correct, or you know, um, I won't go again. Won't go into details about that specific episode. But you know, we had someone claim that um, the, the what the person was saying wasn't correct, and we ended up having to remove it. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, you know, how, how can you? be reassured that you're all the stories you're going to get are you know i mean i'm not saying people would make stuff up i'm not saying that at all but i'm just out yeah. of, you know just out of curiosity how would you how would would you know would you know would you have sneaky, sneaky suspicions that you know something wasn't quite right or that maybe the truth was being exaggerated or mm. i suppose you know the first thing to say is mm. of course we we don't 
no without knowing the situation but I think I would want to put enough trust in the care experience mm. community to where you know um for me trust and, and love and respect goes above all all else yeah yeah and, and I suppose the other thing to say is everybody's experience is different so for example any in any family each sibling has a different recollection or experience um, and no one you know mm. who are we to say what is what's correct or yeah. not um, yeah because uh, I think one of the other things that we've found as well and when people are sharing their stories that sometimes um, they want to use uh, a platform to um, yeah they want to share their story and, that, and that's totally legit and, as you, and I think you're right that you've got to trust people that they're going to tell their version as mm. they see it which is totally you know and that you know, we can unpick that you know the people have been trying to unpick that since the dawn of people telling stories um but one of the issues for us has always been that sometimes people have come on and they want to grind an axe uh, okay. and we've always said uh, and we've always said to them what, what we've said is you know you can come to tell your story you can't come and tell someone else's story yeah um right. and so is that something that you are conscious of or i mean have people started to come forward to you and I, you know what sort of response have you had up to now that's two questions mm. there for me no, please don't apologise at all. So um, just to be really honest, actually, I've I've tried not, just because I know that I can have, um, I don't want to say an addictive personality, but I don't know how else to say it. I think I can get very passionate and connected to causes. So I'm just really trying to slow down, not keep an eye on the inbox, you know, all the time and, and kind of make sure that if and when I do see what's coming in, um, I'm in a, a place where I'm rested and refreshed and, and, and ready to kind of engage with it. So um, I, I'm not sure. But the, the other thing to say that if people have an, an axe to grind, then so be it. I think, you know, for, for years, care experience people have been ignored, censored, yeah. marginalised, disinvited. And, you know, it's likely, um, you know, we want everything to be respectful and kind, but it's likely some messages may ruffle feathers. And um, but. Also, I think as someone who is that kind of double coin of being someone with lived experience and also as a social worker who understands the, you know, the real complexities of what it is to deliver a service in, you know, a period of austerity that I want to hope that this book can also celebrate the good and, and the joy and, and what happens yeah. when things go well as well. And. There's often in the midst of, there's no sort of one binary version of events. Some people have, it's complicated, isn't it? And mm. yeah, I think, I think my, I use the word axe to grind and I think that's maybe the wrong. That's a well, very I think wrong phrase. Well, I think it's the, the wrong way of phrasing. I think what we've had is people have come on and they've wanted to make a specific allocation um, about an individual. Um, and yeah. we've said, no, this isn't, this is not the place. If, you know, if you've got a genuine concern, we need to do it another way. But um, this isn't because they've got no right of appeal. Um, I feel mm. like we're going into all the negatives of the stories because yeah. yeah. So let's. I'm forget that question. I'm being an absolute curmudgeon. Um, I'm, that's what, that's his word of the day. Curmudgeon. Yeah. Word of the day. I've even got um, yeah. some fingerless gloves because it's cold and and I can't, I'm not turning the heating on. Um, I've just put another log on the fire there. That's what I just supposed oh, to do before it went. Living out. large, living I large. Um, can you tell me about the response from the community? Because I, I was. Um, I felt a level of nervousness when I saw you because I saw that you'd started it. Um, it's published through, is it Unbound? Yeah. Um, and we'll, again, we'll put the link in. So you sort of say, hey, I'm going to write this book. Would people please you know, contribute? Because it costs a lot of money, time and energy to write a book. 
was there an element of risk for you to do that sort of put yourself out there was that was that scary so I think the first thing to say was uh is that the costs go to unbound so you know that that cost isn't to me directly it's to all of the costs that go with you know publishing editing graphic design um and also the proceeds are going to article 39 and together trust and um uh the response has been really positive so we've had 426 supporters um so you know in terms of people who have directly pre-ordered the book let alone kind of satellite supporters who have cheered us on but they may be not able to afford to to Mm. pre-order but they've retweeted and so those 426 include mps um you know uh, large organizations like madlug for example um uh yeah and we've just had a really heartwarming response and i think that um it's been a really difficult couple of years for care experienced people you know some of us have had experiences where we have been you know turned down um from Mm. from opportunities to contribute I mean I can't say any any more than that just because of my um position um and so I think that almost this is people have relished you know the idea that well now it's our time it's our time to shape the narrative it's our time to speak up Um, and I guess the other thing that I would say is it sounds really strange, but is that it's our book. It's not my book. You know, I, I kind of yeah. want to really do not want to take ownership. I mean, you know, obviously through the editing, but there's also going to be, you know, care experience people who are writing, who are going to do the graphic design, who are going to do the sensitivity reading. And the majority of it is going to be other people's words. So, yeah, hopefully it was would be our book rather than my book. <laughs> yeah. But I think that sometimes it's nice to bring a community like that together as well, isn't it? With with one thing and the ex- I mean, well, I'm saying excitement. Not sure excitement would be the right word, but certainly the kind of looking forward to seeing. I mean, I know when I've contributed to publications, like seeing your your own words on a page in something that's actually been had time and money spent on it is a really yeah. special thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, last year, I feel like Blue Peter here, you know, and they're like, oh, was it Ozpec? Here's one I made earlier. Um, but last year, <laughs> it's just because it was genuinely on the side of the desk. I promise I've not been waiting to, to launch this. But last year, I had the real privilege of um, co-editing a book all about social working disasters. So we interviewed, you know, uh, survivors of Grenfell, um, Hillsborough, um, Kegworth Air disaster, and you know, so, so the people who have contributed have been through, I, I I could sit here for a thousand years and not even have the words to describe the horrors of their stories. Mm. And so completely know and understand having gone through that experience before of just the pride that people can really take when their stories are honoured in a meaningful way. Mm. Um, yeah. But I hope that it will be a similar effect here. Mm. Yeah. I was laughing there because the thought of you putting that book together or someone editing a book like that, my goodness, that must be horrendous. It must have been a horrendous task, not a horrendous book. I'll just get my shovel out and keep digging. Yeah, yeah, we're doing great tonight, Scott. We're really, (laughs) we're bathing ourselves in glory. Um, I was thinking as well, um, and uh, and maybe picking up a little bit about what you were saying about the the fact that it's published and published, edited, designed, compiled, all of that by people who have got direct lived experience. And it's not through the lens of a 
you know, it's not a, it's not like a charity saying, "Hey, here's a really good idea. Let's get some of the mm. let's get some of the kids." You know, it's not it, which feels a bit patriarchal, a little bit patronizing. It is literally. It's kind of like, "Hey, this is us doing what we want," which mm. does seem like a the very nuanced shift and kind of as a bit of a kickback against some of the other stuff. You know, big charities, big organizations, and voices. Um, you, of course, you can't speak plainly, maybe. <laughs> I'm being careful for you. <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> and then I think you raised some really good points about the feeling of being done to, and there definitely has been a kind of paternalism, you know, paternalistic attitude in the past where it's almost like, were the, you know, for example, in research, were the big researchers, were the big important scientists wearing the lab coats? Can you come along uh, so we can tick this lived experience box and then go away? But actually, we're you know, our community is more than capable of being in those spaces. And uh, I suppose the other thing to say is that I really, my hope for this book is that a, people can embrace it if they want to, or they can walk away, but that, you know, within a few months of Free Loaves being published, I hope that all of the writers, known, unknown, published, unpublished, who kind of surface from that will be generating so will have been so inspired and will continue that free loaves will just be old news and a kind of springboard people will be yeah. so into the new stuff and and what these new creators are writing that 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 won't uh not that it won't matter because i want it to matter but that we'll be on to the next thing anyway yeah it'll be the spark yeah hopefully and i mean you know i worked at i used to work at adoption plus and and they um did a book about his birth father stories because obviously birth fathers wow. aren't very often heard from in terms of fostering or adoption it's, it's normally um you know birth mothers and stuff and in actual fact that book had a really it was really like hugely impactful to everybody in the community because nobody had heard that side of the of the, the, the tale before and i think that's the kind of you know the great thing about what you're trying to do is or what you are doing not what you're trying to do because you are clearly doing it um is that you know it's telling a story that otherwise wouldn't be heard and that's the thing i hope so and i I hope it will just humanize us i mean that sounds like an amazing book by the way which i'd love to read if if you can share the link but um Mm. i hope it will just humanize us a little bit more and not frame us as because we're either portrayed in extremes, you know, either as mm. kind of objects of pity over here or we're caricatured as some kind of, you know, cartoonish. I mean, if you think about who is there in the media, really, Tracy Beaker, which was never put together by care experienced in the yeah. first place. Um, or alternatively, there's a kind of hero complex. And I've, I've seen that, that people come to you as if you should know all the answers and, and actually were human just like anyone else. So I hope it will just, you know, normalise and humanise our stories. But also, I didn't start speaking up about my experience till my late 20s. And, you know, even as a social worker with a really lovely team around me, I just honestly the stigma wasn't worth it. You know, the stigma that Mm. I'd experienced in so many other contexts, like the first day of university kind of being shunned by roommates and stuff like that. So yeah, I hope it will make the next generation proud to have that identity rather than just shelving it. Yeah. See, I always, I always, I always, I, oh, I, I get very frustrated hearing stories like that because I just can't believe people would be like that, but they are like that. And that Mm. is just, that goes against, yeah, that's ridiculous. 
I mean, uh, I guess it's anecdotal, but um, when I moved into the house that I live in now, uh, one of the the person I was buying the house off literally said to me, totally unprovoked, said, I hope you don't foster, do you? And I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, there's a long story and there's some history, um, of which we, which is not appropriate to share on the thing. But um, yeah, and just gobsmacking that that was a really convenient stereotype, uh, you know, and a prejudice and a bias that was just, you know, they were really comfortable to share in that sort of environment, you know, and there's, you know, the story continued from there. Um, can I ask you then, because that then maybe plays into the most recent, um, the, the John Lewis advert, because obviously that's, that's been quite well, you know, people have had lots of opinions about that. Um, and I'm not sure, where does it fit in those stereotypes that we see? Or does it fit in those stereotypes? What, what were your thoughts? What, what's the word on the street? Well, there's lots of of diverse uh, uh, views, so I'm not sure what the word, if I can fully capture that. But what I will say is I looked for the first time in my life at an advert and and saw myself represented in a way that was just real, authentic. Um, I, you know, when I looked at the face of Ellie, that young girl, I was was transported back. I, I remember... And I know what it is to be on the other side of the threshold, staring up, you know, it literally like physically you're staring up because everyone's yeah. like more, you know, more developed yeah. than you and, and just feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of place. Am I a burden? What are they going to be like? What, why is this smell like that? What food mm. is there going to be? What's the time? It's so anxiety provoking. And, and I thought um, that moment was just captured so perfectly, you know, those three to four seconds where Ellie is, is stood there, um, speak to me more than a thousand plays, you know, wordy, yeah. kind of, you know, long-worded, clever, intellectual, whatever, plays or films um, that aren't created by people with lived experience. And the fact that, you know, for me, I look at that and it's so obvious that the, this whole advert was made in consultation with us. And I think the other thing is that how wonderful that, Ellie is seen to excel. You know, for me, it's not a stereotype. It's not a stock photo of a girl clinging to, you know, like rocking in a ball in the corner, which, by the way, the Guardian still used that stock image. And I know because I've written for the Guardian twice and two times they've used that um, stock image, which needs to be changed. But anyway, um, the fact that she's, you know, just excelling, that she's seen to have an identity as kind of a skater and also you know overcoming misogynistic stereotypes that i think it's wonderful and i think that mm. it makes feel seen in a, in a real way obviously yeah. i know other people may have different opinions yeah well they did last week but um <laughs> they, they might have changed my mellow by then um what i found interesting about that and i don't know if this is right but i saw so whilst the kind of at the end of the advert when she saw the skateboards and stuff like that you could see her kind of lift a little bit but you could still see that anxiety I don't know if that was the actress or if that was kind of the the lived experience part coming through in terms of the way it was written but it was really still evident there so you know whilst that was there and it lifted a little bit there was still you could you could feel it you could feel it still feel the anxiety is that am I right or was that bull no, no, no. It's I. It's spot on. Well, at least the way I see it, because there is no magic happy ending, you know. Um, mm. And I, I like how they didn't just shoot to Christmas Day with everyone laughing over, you know, turkey, yeah. turkey dinner. It's it's yeah. not like that because 
because I remember actually um, I'd been kicked out of, and I've told all this before, mm. my first fourth placement, you know, I was kicked out via a note on the kitchen table on the 20th of December. And it was, it just came completely out of the blue and it was heartbreaking. Mm. I think that, to be honest, has really tainted my view of Christmas ever since. But anyway, even after that experience, um, later, this is a really long story, but complicated as as care stories always are. But when I lived in the unregulated hostel, um, there was a family who I knew um, who I'd go and have like respite weekends with now and then. And even after nine months of that, you know, that consistent love and them showing up for me, um, I used to, you know, go missing run away in the middle of the night kind of um, whatever it is because I didn't feel safe even after nine months because I was waiting for the note on the kitchen table so what I was trying to say in a really ridiculously long-winded way is that you can be in a placement for months and months and months and years and still feel that anxiety um, let alone a few seconds so yeah I think it was very real and I think that crosses over with adoption as well. From you know, from my experience with my three three um, sons, definitely. You know, there's there's times where they still feel that little bit of insecurity that you know it's going to end at some point because that's what they're they're used to and they can't get rid of that because it was such a traumatic experience for them. So, yeah. well, I think that we will have Becca back when the book is written <laughs> and, we've, and we can see it. Um, but what I was going to say was it would be really interesting to have you back when um, when you're halfway through or something like that, because I think it would be really interesting just to, well, number one here, how many thousands of submissions you've had, because I'm sure there'll be loads. And I did notice that it's not just, you're not just sticking to the UK with this, are you? You're going like, anybody from anywhere who's had care experience can contribute is that right mm. yeah so three things i'm having to make notes because uh, okay. so many good things um the first one is anybody from anywhere can contribute we want to have that richness and that diversity what i will say is um you know it's going to be written in the context of you know uh social work in england at the moment and recent events however anyone's welcome don't want to say no to anybody with care experience secondly is just to manage expectations that uh publishing's a long process and it probably won't hit shelves um we're talking you know till 2024 spring 2024 but yeah unbound is great they kind of get books like the good immigrant i don't know if you've heard of that that was one of their similar works that you know, eventually hit waterstones and everything else. Um, and then the final thing to say is the deadline for submissions is the 15th of January. So yeah. um, in terms of, and, right. and the final manuscript is going to be early April. So in terms of halfway through, it's yeah maybe best to speak again once after the 15th of January. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. The, the reason I said that was because I guessed that it might be a way wee bit off in terms of um, hitting the shelf. So but it would be great to get back and get your reflections on what you've, put together and stuff like that before it does go don't you think mr coates always welcome always yeah. welcome and i'll I'll try my hardest not to be a curmudgeon or a numpty uh, no come on we, we need that little bit of kind of entertainment value in the i don't bathe myself in interviewing glory this this evening i don't think <laughs> 
I've had a great time. So. Oh, well, that's fine. Then. Well, well <clears throat> you, heard it, you heard it here first, folks. She's had a great time. Excellent. <laughs> uh, um, it's, been a, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you. I knew nothing about this until half an hour before when Al said, this is who we're talking to tonight, um, because, yeah, he hadn't told me that he'd put it in the calendar. So, um, yeah, thank you. It's been really eye-opening, insightful, and um, I can't wait to see it come out. And I, I will send you that link for the... Um, for the book as well from Adoption Plus. Excellent. Yeah, stay on stay on the line. We'll, keep, the on, line. we'll keep talking yeah. to you. We'll stop recording. But um so last last word from you, um yeah. Becca. Where what's the link? What's the address? What do people need to go if they want to contribute? Yes, yeah, so uh, I'll pop the link to you, but uh, if you just Google free loaves on Fridays and then click on unbound and then go to the about page, there is a submission guidance there. Anyone and everyone can contribute. I wanted to say no one will be turned away as well. Um, every voice matters. And even if you're listening to this and think, you know, I've never picked up a penny in my life. I hated English at school. I would say your story has value. Ignore any of the rubbish that people have said to you before. And, and we're here to listen. Excellent. So th thank you so much. We'll make sure people get linked into that. And um, we really look forward to seeing how this progresses. So thank you very much, Becca. Look after yourself Thanks and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care.